Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu and I'm your host. And today we are joined again by a former guest, a uh, very special guest, Mr. Marius Roshka. Marius, how's it going tonight, man? Good, Marcus. How are you? Good, tired, busy. It's been a busy season, uh, both podcast-related and unrelated. So uh, just trying to get in here, record this episode, uh, get another one down for the week. But uh, I'm excited for for this episode, and I'm excited to have you here. Hey, I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) So before we uh, jump into anything uh, substantial for this episode, I do want to make a couple of announcements that I have been making these last couple of weeks um, as you have heard last week, uh, I do plan on having a bit of a summer break. So this season, I don't want to call it season two, maybe season one B is going to come to a close on May 26th. It's going to be the last Wednesday in the month of May. And, uh, for now I plan on not releasing regular episodes for the summer and I plan on coming back regularly after Labor Day. But, uh, like, as I said last week, I can't imagine myself being off the microphone for three full months, I would not know what to do with myself. This is has be- this has become a part of my identity. So we'll do something. Uh, there there will be some sort of interaction regarding you know in within the Instagram. So stay tuned for that, and then I'll probably release a thing here, you know, here and there, uh, depending. But nothing set in stone. That's the idea for now. But yes, May twenty sixth. That's going to be uh, a wrap to season one B, the second part of this first year. So. Uh, thanks for all of you guys out there listening, supporting. I really appreciate all the uh, encouragements, compliments. Uh, it's 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 really uplifting, and I, I wouldn't be able to do it without you. So thank you guys so much. Also, uh, just standard things. You can follow us on our Instagram account, account at the Potter's House for any and all updates. So stay tuned. Uh, we are on several streaming platforms, most notably on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Which, which most of you have. And if you do have the, an iPhone, please go to the Apple Podcast application, that, that purple icon, tap it, subscribe if you're not subscribed yet, scroll down, tap the stars, and then leave a, a review because that'll really help the exposure of the show. Um, and if you leave a written review, I will read it, and I'll read it out loud, and uh, it's always a good time. So thank you guys. For those of you who have done it, uh, and if, for those of you who have not yet, uh, I'd really appreciate it, and uh, thank you guys for that. So... That's that. That's the announcements for today. Stay tuned. Um, we will be having uh, future announcements, kind of in the late, in, you know, next couple, upcoming months. So stay tuned for that. But um, Marius, let's jump into our episode really quick. I know these last couple of weeks I've been going kind of long. I've been hitting an hour and a half back to back weeks, and I know people are a, a little bit, you know, anxious when it gets that long or they don't have enough time. So I want to get right into it um, today. We're going to talk about a book that you recommended to me. So um, the book is titled, get ready for it. Actually, no, because you guys will read the title of this episode. But it's titled, uh, Why Men Hate Going to Church, and it's written by David Murrow. So, uh, Marius, before we jump into the actual book, um, you sent this to me. How did you come across this book? So... I wasn't necessarily looking for a book on why men hate going to church. I didn't Google search that. Um, what I did is uh, I get an email every day about books that are on sale, you know, bargain deals, things like that. And I kind of looked through it and I ah, this looks good. This looks good. But when I saw this book on the email, I actually bought this book almost two years ago. And I said, wow, this is interesting. You know, like it kind of double take, uh, you know, just 
this like I just got my, my interest was sparked so I bought it and uh, I kind of had it in my digital bookshelf and uh, I started reading it but I wasn't too good at reading but then um, I got better at reading so I finally got into it and then I said you know Marcus with the podcast you and uh, our Thanksgiving podcast crew uh, very close <laughs> friends and I shared it and uh, I said hey let's read this and let's let's see what we think yeah, and uh, I appreciate that you sent it to me in form of an audiobook because uh, I don't know when the last, besides the Bible, obviously, guys, I don't know when the last <laughs> time was where I actually like, actually, no, I, I did read the, okay, I read the discipleship book because I had to for the youth series, but sure. in my leisure time, the last yeah. time I, I read a book uh, was probably, you know, not even college, probably high school. College, you, you get away with certain things, but... Um, control find, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> control F. There it is. And then, uh, so I, I listened to it, and um, typically I listen to stuff when I'm at work. So I was like eight hours a day. So I I, I, I knocked it out in like three days, mm-hmm. two, two and a half, three days. And I was just like, I was just hooked onto it because, uh, not because it was that fantastic of a book. I do want to make a quick disclaimer, like right now. Um I wouldn't necessarily align myself with everything this author said, uh, just because uh, you know he goes a, a little extreme on, in, in a few points here and there. Uh, but I thought it was very interesting because it's not something that we talk about; it's something that we recognize, but we we don't really talk about it and we don't really know uh, any practical solutions. But that's that's what was so great about this book because we see the practical perspective on why men are absent from church, uh, at least in the United States. But that was kind of like my take on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was reading, as I was reading through the book, I made some notes. And, you know, to expand on your disclaimer, Marcus, I, I think uh, in this book, there are some points made that are pretty extreme. Um, but the point is to not look at that example of what some churches did to attract men, but as more as there was a problem and a change that catered to men uh, got their attention to church. So let's not look at, you know, necessarily what they did, but just the fact that even before that, that they, they recognized it and, and the men started coming back. So um, I do want to quote something from the book about the purpose of this book is to eliminate the, uh, I'm sorry, to illuminate, not illuminate, illuminate the problem and seek solutions. Meaning this book is not out there to blame uh, people uh, denominations, um, blame a man, blame a woman. No, it's, it's just there to say, hey, look in your congregation and tell me how often you see more women than men. And based on the statistics, which this book has a lot of really great statistics, and I think that's what kind of makes it worthwhile is because you can kind of, I mean, I, I can personally relate to it as, as, as we've seen in our congregation that there's more men than, I'm sorry, that there's more women than men. So, the book as a whole, what did you, because th- we understand that this book, like you said, discusses uh, certain issues that we see from an outside perspective. Now, this author, from from what he said at the beginning, uh, he I don't think he's, uh, he's not a pastor, he's not some PhD guy, he's just a... Uh, a local churchgoer. He may have been elder. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, quite I, I think he did have some kind of leadership in the church, but um, yeah. So he was able to see both worlds. He started off as a regular goer. He was a leader, so I think he did have the experience of kind of both sides of the goer and the leader. Yeah, and we see in the book that from his perspective, as someone who attended church, grew up in the church, was eventually some form of leader in the church. Um, he kind of diagnosed some issues regarding. 
the church as a whole and seeing this this obvious uh, <laughs> this obvious sight that men are, are quite absent from the church and obviously he dealt, he dives into some research he he finds um, uh, just the percentage and the ratios between men and women attending church across all denominations and even other religions as well and he compares them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the shocking find, and this is why he wrote this book, and this is why we read this book, was that in evangelical circles we see uh, a, a lot few, you know, fewer men than women uh, to a great extent in in the church filling the pews today. And um, that's that's definitely gonna, we're going to highlight a couple of things. But um, uh, at the end of the, well, what did you think, like on a personal level, when you when you finished the book? How, what what were your thoughts? What were your feelings regarding the book? What what was a uh, Kind of this overall encompassing idea that kind of came to you once you completed this this book. Well, I, I can be brutally honest that I, I do feel some of the things that the author does mention uh, in the church that you and I go to, Marcus. Um, the feeling is, you know, um, not everything in this book applies to our church per se, you know, but. Um, I, I think this this kind of touches on looking back, especially in in, a, in reflection of how I've served, uh, how I've done things in the church, and looking back and saying, you know, what's more important, um, bringing men to church and having them e- equip them with so, like a purpose and a mission to go out and be a Christian, not necessarily like do a checklist thing, but give them a purpose and they will they, and they will do it and then but naturally they will start coming to church more families will be healthier therefore a healthier church you know so i, I think at the end of the day it just kind of has me at, at the end of the book end of the day it kind of has me looking uh saying what can i do to ensure that my peers that all of us men uh will be going to church um, moving forward uh not that to be like a checklist item and then get to church and check out because uh the book mentions, you know, um, kind of a big, a big size church in the thousands. A pastor asked his pastoral board at a lunch, "So, what did you guys think of the sermon today?" And everyone was blank because they were checked out. So, I, I think uh, it's a little awkward for some people to admit that. Um, I, I will say it's a little awkward for me to admit it, but uh, I think it's it's okay to admit it and kind of look for solutions and never blame. You know, don't say this is why. Say what can we do? So. I'm motivated at the end of this book. I'm motivated to see what, you know, me um, in, as a leader in this church can do to make sure that this church is healthy with men in it. Yeah, and I think if you're listening out there, I think this episode is tailored to the men out there, um, either the men in leadership positions who see this issue and want to reach out to the other men um, within the church, within their community, um, maybe men who are in the in the process of backsliding who haven't been in a while who have been prioritizing other things than attending church uh, but i think also to a lot of women out there who um they're they're wondering why their husbands why their sons why their fathers brothers uh, the, why the men in their life aren't attending church and um as we read through this book we see we see a lot of uh, examples that he uses and he he uses uh direct quotations from from real people uh of Family, like mothers with families, where you know she has to wake up, she has to drag the kids to church, and on on, on that Sunday morning, and, the, and her husband is just like at the on the couch watching TV, just because that's not his thing. So I think it's uh it's a very important listen to everyone out there, regardless of who you are and where you stand within the mm-hmm. church. But um, 
let's let's get into it because what I noticed is there's two distinctive parts in this book. Unfortunately, he he doesn't split them <laughs> evenly. He he talks part one like is like ninety percent of the book, and then the last part is the ten percent, which is the actual important part. Uh, but let's let's jump right into it because I think there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about uh, in this first part. But basically, what the author does is he talks about the structure of the church today and why it is not appealing to men. Mm-hmm. And there are loads and loads of examples that he brings up uh, of why the current structure of the church uh, is not appealing to men. So, Marius, I'm going to let you get started. Uh, what are like, just a few highlights, a few key things that you noticed regarding the structure of the church today, uh, not even in our within our Romanian community, but it just across the country, um, what are, what, what, what's some, what are some of those things that would not be appealing to an average man, uh, today in the times that we live in? Well, like you said, Marcus, there's so many, but I, I will, I will, we will boil it down or we will just mention a few. Uh, I think if, um, you really, really, really want to know, read the book. It's not that long. What is it about six hours or so for audio? About, yeah. About, so that's what, five days of a half hour commute each way, plus a little bit on the weekend. Um, but anyway, uh, there there was one thing, and, I, and I'll, it'll be a little heavy, but there's also uh, the church feeling like an emotional safe space. Mm-hmm. And um, that is comprised of, um, you know, sensitivity. Um, some men are not comfortable when they show up to church and they're given a hug. You oh know? yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, there's the because the people who's give the, the person giving the hug, their intention is to make this person feel like a welcome guest. Uh, where kids, women, and some men, and there's no, and there's no problem with feeling like a hug is okay as a man. I, I don't see that as a problem. But majority of men, uh, they're not comfortable with another man at the door giving them a hug, especially for the first time. I mean, granted, I think that we've. At our at our church, there's no usher. Like I don't think there's many men that like to give hugs. You know, like and, and that's just a natural instinct that we're given. Um, but then there's also a little derivation of that in a sensitive space, which is also uh, to back up a little bit. The um, and this doesn't happen at our church at, at Bethel here, but the music and how it um, makes God look like a lamb mm-hmm. uh, before because. The Bible does say the lamb, right? But, you know, God is also the lion. Yeah. And I think uh, contemporary music is more geared toward the lamb version of God, and it's a little bit soft, and uh, it's more love song-ish vibe, and I think men um, are repelled to that. Um, And down the line, we get to conflict, Mm -hmm. right? Wherever you go, I mean, for those of you that are in a relationship and your spouse, there's conflict even with one person. Imagine hundreds of people in the church, and there's going to be conflict, and it's natural. It's natural, but the most important thing is how you handle it. And the book brought up a very good point on how certain churches, for the sake of peace, um, they don't talk about it on the spot, like, hey, let's clear the air. Most men... They feel like something's going on. Hey, let's clear the air. What is going on? And for the most part, I think majority of the time, men will be respectful and cordial to each other and say, all right, what's the problem? Let's talk about it. And then boom, we clear the air. Whereas in the safe space, and I put up air quotes um, for the sake of peace, well, let's not uh, 
let's not talk about this. Like, oh, no, no, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Swept under the rug. And because we are humans and the way we are wired, there's a resentment that builds up. And then, like the book says, suddenly that by, by the next service evening or the next week, there's that person, they're just bad mouthing each other behind everyone's back because they don't want to talk about an issue right on the spot. And I think uh, because people feel like conflict is a sign of I am doing something wrong, I am avoiding conflict, that's not the situation. For men, I think their most important thing is resolving conflict and resolving it well. So it's not about counting how many arguments you've had in church in your lifetime. It's about how many arguments that I not talk about and, and, and solve uh, that I left going that built to resentment. And then you have churches splitting. Um, again, men being repelled because th when they think of the drama that comes along with the resentment, they don't want to be a part of that. They're just said, you know what? I'm just going to stay home. Like you said, you, you know, wife, you go to church. I'm not going. And you kind of, you kind of like touched a few things, but I think the, the overall issue is that the church has become, or at least the structure of the church today, as opposed to 50 years ago, however long ago, or, or 2000 years ago when it, when it was first, uh, when it first began is that it's become more feminized. It has been tailored to the feminine spirit and uh you know we're not saying that there's anything wrong with the feminine spirit however when it when it, it is so saturated within the church walls and it's overwhelming uh men can't take that so you highlighted a couple of things you talked about the uh, in, in emotional space a lot of men are not comfortable with their emotions because of social stigma and and how they were raised and uh now i'm not saying uh abandon all social constructs and, and, and be in touch with your, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying naturally and hormonally, not speaking as a medical expert, but naturally men aren't as comfortable with their emotions and expressing emotions and they don't need to. Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation uh, with, with some people and we were talking like how men have this nothing box where they can just tune things out, think about nothing and not have to worry about it. And, and it's just how we process with certain things. So when you have a, a very emotional environment a lot of men, and it could be good emotions, not just bad, uh, like you said with the drama, a lot of men are not inclined to kind of go there and be a part of it because A, maybe they're not comfortable, and B, that's not something they really look forward to, and um, that, that becomes an issue. And then you talked about the, like, the it's it's good, it's okay to have lamb, but it's the lion and the lamb, it's having a balance. Mm -hmm. And we sing songs that are very romantic in nature. We sing songs that uh, it's the quote unquote, Jesus is my boyfriend kind of thing. And a lot of men are not comfortable with that, those kind of songs, because especially uh, nowadays, I mean, there's a, a, there's a song that I like to point out now, and I know a lot of people like it out there. Uh, it's, it's Love on the Line by Hillsong, and it talks about, uh, it's in, in the chorus, I believe, it says, uh, greater than all romance or any, something, but it, it mentions romance, which is, not a <laughs> it is not the word to compare uh the relationship between Christ and his church and um and we see a lot of issues going there so men are not comfortable with that and then lastly you talked about how they deal with issues and a lot of it since it's an emotional space there's a lack of confrontation because confrontation has such a, a negative connotation nowadays that you can't be you can't confront people it, it makes you look bad but that's how men deal with things mm -hmm. he even says uh in, in this book that Men just need to hash it out as soon as a problem occurs, and then the next day they're fine, and they can just go on. But if that's not addressed, then the resentment builds, and like you said, it can it can 
turn into a church split. It can turn into that that man not being encouraged to continue to attend church, and uh, that becomes a, a real issue going forward. But but yeah, I mean, what else? What else do you have to add about the feminized culture of the church? Because there, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of examples that we saw here in this book. Um. So I just want to make a remark. Sure. You, you you mentioned the song by Hillsong. When did that song uh, come out? Uh, within, within the last twelve like, months. No, like five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. So this book was written, I think, in like two thousand eleven. Yeah. So this book is ten years old, and I think if he were to rewrite the book, he would have a little bit more, especially with all the social stuff going around and 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 everything like that. Um. But to to add to the, um, emotional safe space. Women, so because men are repelled from the church for those reasons that we mentioned and others, um, who's taking up the role, right? Who's in the, who's the majority that we talked about? Women. Yeah. So women start taking the lead in certain categories and certain functions. And as you can see, uh, lately, there has been an acceptance of women being, being pastors. And um, I'll say this right now, and I don't it is not right it is not biblical for women to teach men and the book is very clear men do not like to follow women especially when it comes to church and christianity um and that is just a god-given wiring in our minds that's how i can again yeah you asked about how i felt at the end he is pointing out that we are wired a certain way and even biblically it says we are not necessarily the, like we're we the we, we are the head of the, of the house the women are not necessarily below us from a social standpoint but we are responsible for them it's a god-given order that it's us then women and um that that is just black and white natural in god's in god's way and um i think it's the same for the church when 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 women are leading men will not be inclined to follow and it's almost like Oh, I'm trying to uh, help the ministries go on because men are so absent. And sure, maybe you're plugging a hole to stop the ship from sinking, but there's more water coming in than than going. I'm sorry, there's more, more, yeah, more water coming in than not. So, I think, uh, yeah, maybe for a couple Sundays you'll make it better, but then more men will leave because women are leading. So, um, I think bottom line is that men follow men, and men that are leading are men that are discipled and then uh, it's a it's a circle right so men lead men are discipled discipled men lead new men are discipled uh which would bring us to a a later topic there Mm -hmm. but um i I did want to bring up a uh I, i think something that me myself me personally i dealt with in being raised in the church is uh kind of being forced to go to church yeah all right so this might be a little sore but before you make that um, comment i do because i i think we're going to get into something really good here and we'll go into it. i do want to address you know the statement that you made and i do want to reinforce it because yeah. um i'm very I, I i like to think that i'm very in tune with with what a lot of my listeners believe and um i'm gonna you know i 100 percent agree with you said what you said uh marius uh, regarding uh the leadership in the church and that that men need to be the leader in the church that's how god designed it and i understand if so, some of you listeners out there disagree with that who promote you know women in in, in lead pastor positions now i think it's okay if if they're you know if the, pa- the lead pastor's wife 
is involved in ministry and she she runs the the women's ministry that's totally yeah, fine teaching but, other women is of okay. course but at the end of the day the bible says but the bible is clear and if you disagree with that i mean don't don't hate on me don't <laughs> i mean you can unsubscribe if you want it doesn't matter but the point is that's what it says and that's what i believe so i hopefully we can respect our opinions but i'm sorry I, i'm going to stand with Maris on the decision just just because i know for a fact there, there's going to be some disagreement there mm-hmm. now i don't condone women who who takes steps up in 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 ministry positions because men are absent i think that is great that they're they're serving the lord that they're filling that gap uh but we do want to highlight the fact that that the more the more of that that happens like men want to follow men and that that, that's what we're going to talk about towards the end that that men need to follow men so the men need to step up too but but there's there's no problem with women kind of working in ministry and filling those gaps and you know praying for the men in their church to continue to to grow uh but i did want to make that statement because uh I know it's going to rub some people in the wrong way, but I, but I'm sorry. I mean, I believe what the Bible says, and if you disagree with with my thought, I mean, there's the scripture in the in the Bible. You could try to twist it any way you can to to, to kind of fit your narrative, but um, that's the way I was raised. That's the way that I I, I extracted from that passage. So uh, we're gonna move on. But I just want to make yep. that statement because it's important, and I think it's great that the women who are st- stepping in are. I think they're doing a great job, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they're they're. You know they're paving the way for the church to be healthy, um, but that doesn't. That's not a a substitute for a man being there leading, so he can lead other men. We just want to make that statement over there. Yeah, and you know a, a little bit of elaboration on on that is that like as a woman, don't feel that what you're doing is wrong by serving. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, all I'm saying is that um, naturally, men lead, women will follow the man, and. Uh, the book gives a great example. You know, he says a man and a woman are outside in the shed, and the man says, "Hold my hammer," and the woman says, "Okay, cool." You know, like, all right, what do you want me to do with it? Do you want me to help you? You know, women are so inclined to help and to do something to act of service, right? With that hammer. Now let's go reverse it and let's go in public, and the woman says, "Hold my purse." In this. Uh, women's section of the dressing room while I go try on this dress, but you're holding the purse. Uh, I, I think, you know, me personally, I would hold the purse, but it's at some point there's just some kind of like, okay, it's a little awkward. I, I, I don't feel 100% like wanting to, but I'll do it. Um, and, that, and again, it, it's just because that's the way we are, we are wired. And um, I think a woman will follow a man who is truly following Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Ladies, just listen to that and don't take it from me. Take it from women who follow men who are truly following in Christ's footsteps because that man is not going to look down on women. We're not looking down on women. We're not stepping on them. We're not flexing on them. It's just, hey, God said this, we're doing it. And if I do it and you do it, you're, you're not above her. You're next to her, but you're deciding which way we go. And, and, and that's the way the book is, 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 and that's what the book is saying, that naturally in God's order, this is how it is. So, um, yeah, just, again, bear with us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did want to mention this, this quote, because I, I, I think this is a, a little bit more towards what happened to me personally, and I think others. Um, a quote from the book. Um, if you are a strong-willed woman who compels her husband, brother, or adult son to go to church, 
I ask you to reconsider. Jesus never forced anyone to follow him. You may be driving your man away from God, even as you drag him into the sanctuary. There is no benefit to having a, a man's body in church if his heart is elsewhere. Um, I will say, and I, I think, you know, some I, I hear this quote, Marcus. I hear this quote a lot, and I, I, I don't like it. It's better to be in church than somewhere else. And people that I love very much, people that I'm close to say this and believe in this, and but I'm sorry. Um, oh, really quick. It does say adult son. So adolescent, young. Um, no, they're, they're, there's nothing wrong with forcing them, quote unquote. But once they're old enough to make their own decisions, this is the group of men that this, this author's talking about, adults uh, on their own. Um, I, I think that the illusion of having a loved one in church and feeling good about that without following up is uh is dangerous um because yeah maybe some some you know very strong-willed people they'll say after a week or two hey i'm sorry i'm out or i don't want to offend my mom they're paying for my credit cards my car my everything so i'm just going to go to church but i'm totally tuned out and i think um though the parent is feeling that the obligation to get them to church it's not necessarily a bad thing, but they have to go about it a certain way that don't just be comfortable. Church is not a daycare for your adult husband or adult son or a friend. Uh, and I think this is very important because we, I think I see a tendency that some people stop there. Okay, I got him to church. I'm good. And uh, that leads to issues further down the line, kind of like the issue with... Uh, you know, men vacating positions of leadership and women taking them. You know, it's like, okay, like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, you know, and we're stopping. We're not addressing, like, the main issue, the heart of the man and, and, and what repels them and having that conversation. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't want to bring that up about the forcing, and, and I, I've seen that personally, and I, I think it does more harm than good. Yeah, and absolutely, I mean, we have to address the heart. And of the man always, um, even though this book is more tailored to the structure of the church and why why they're not inclined to do to do it. But uh, one thing I kind of really liked, and I kind of use this example a lot when I'm in conversations and even you know sermons when I can. But uh, it's the difference between a program and a project. And men, I mean, I can, we're speaking a lot like theoretically here, but I'll speak personally. Um, I like projects. We like projects. Programs. It's, it's a little more, uh, it's unending. Programs is you kind of get into something and then you just keep on doing and doing and doing and doing and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's something that you're just continuously doing. A project, and, and, and the author kind of puts, um, he has a three-step thing with this, but he says, a project requires planning, working, and celebrating. So for me, you know, I go over here, I, I start this project, I plan it out, like thoroughly in, in great detail. I execute, we do the actual work. And then afterwards, once it's complete, I mean, we need to, we, that is, that part is so underrated, the celebration part, because mm-hmm. we kind of appreciate the project. You know, it's, it's kind of like you're at work and you're, you're wrapping up the, the final pages, you're sending that last email, and then you just kind of kick back in your chair a little bit and you just kind of smile or I, I don't know what people do, but that's, that's the celebrating fact. But when it comes to a program, because it's not ending, it's like, okay, 
next week is this next week is that next week is that you're kind of caught in this cycle and I don't know I mean, some way I don't know why but I guess we as men are not really programmed like that mm-hmm. and I'll give an example um, with ministries that we have uh, in our church a lot of a lot of music ministries are like that where it's um, we are we are performing to kind of fill a service mm-hmm. and and it, it gets a little exhausting because you get a little behind and you have to put this and then all you're doing is fulfilling that need that and you're always going to have that need that need never ends it's not like uh like oh you know slap something together for for easter or christmas and it put this great ensemble together and then you you do it and then you you get to be it gets to be over afterwards no it, it's every single week every single month so that's how i kind of relate to that but Maris, what do you think about that the the program versus project and how does that speak to you so, um, I think I am a hundred percent aligned with that, that inner feeling. I, I kind of think about it as school versus work. Yeah. Um, I went to a quarter system school, so that's 10 weeks of learning, one week of finals, one week break. Um, of course, winter's two weeks off and then the one week is between spring and, and, and uh, I'm sorry, winter and spring, then summer. But, um, the feeling of, okay, something new, like you're getting uh, the syllabus, you're looking when the exams are, all right, this, like, yeah, you, planning phase. Then you actually do the work, you're actually going to lectures and this and that. And, and, and by the time, okay, oh, first midterm, sometimes a second midterm, depending on the class. And then you're saying, man, two weeks, I have a final. Okay, okay, so let me look at what I did wrong on this midterm. There's no time to really sit back because it, like, hey, the end is coming. Like you said, like, well, there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's stressful because it's a final, but it's exciting because you say it's over, right? Uh, and I, I was one that was fortunate enough to have an internship and go to work. And um, so my first two years of college were like that, but my last four, I would finish school, which was exciting in itself. But then I would be working in my break. So, um, and and work can become itself programmatic, you know, where you're just like oh, over and over again, where. If you're an entrepreneur, you take on three, four projects at a time, you know, a few months, and then, hey, I made my keep. I can take a couple of weeks off, You're right? I, I think I think that is what I like too, and it aligns with what what I my like emotional uh, state in in dealing with life. Um, but on the topic of with with the church, um, a lot of people can be derailed because. You know, it, it's a tape that never ends. It's a, it's it's a barrel that you feel like you're doing work, you're filling a bucket, but it has a hole at the bottom. And man, this thing is never getting full. It's never enough. You know, rather than seeing ten buckets that you filled, you're just looking at one bucket that has a hole that you're constantly filling this one bucket, and it's feeling like you're not getting anywhere. Uh, and I, and I think that's where it's not necessarily like bad to serve, but it's also important to to really, as a leader in the church, when you're creating the serving atmosphere or you're organizing it or ordaining it, depending on where you are, um, it's important to have people really understand the mission and the project behind serving because you can make it a project as well. You know, there's there can be a season where you have time off from it, but in that time off, you're doing something else, you know, like not necessarily serving in church, but maybe you'll go out and, I don't know, find a couple, el- like it says in the book, men they'll have uh they'll go to the elder's house and they'll realize hey this person hasn't cleaned their gutters in years because they're old and as a man you're like 
you get up there on that roof, you clean it out, and you see the joy on people's face because they really can't. So it's it's that kind of stuff that men love, right? Like they they did something for somebody that can't, and that in a way speaks more than singing in church for six months straight. Yeah, and the example that they use a lot too, like the, yeah, they're cleaning the gutter, but also construction projects. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you're not. I mean. It's a project. You're not going to tear it down and build it again constantly. Once you you have the planning phase, you have the building phase, the work phase, and then once you're once you're done, you you not only get to be done with that actual piece of work, but you get to step back, look at it, and appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And you get to and, and you get to almost celebrate it. Like, hey, you know, we 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 put our hands together, we put our heads together, and we kind of uh, built this structure. And it, and it, and it's very fulfilling, especially for the man. So in order for us to continue. To serve, continue to do works within the church, there needs to be a sense of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we see it across all boards. You know, I'm not trying to be specific here, but um, sometimes we get caught up in this in this cycle. I don't want to say going through the motions because I'm sick and tired of hearing that phrase. Um, we get <laughs> caught up in this cycle, but and we don't see an end, and we 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 don't get fulfillment. It's, and and if, and if and this is more tailored to the men who are a little less mature in the faith. They're still quote unquote spiritual babies, whatever. They're still on the milk, not on solid food, but because they're not, they're not mature enough. They don't always see the fulfillment in serving in the church and serving God. And then they're, they just succumb to the flesh and they just, they, they don't want to do it anymore. They don't feel like doing it anymore. And it's, it's not important to them. And then if, if, if there's no, if you don't see a value in something, you're not going to, you're not going to pay You're not going to pay for it. It's not going to cost you anything. You're not going to you're not going to put effort into it because you don't yeah. see value in it. So I think it's important to kind of recognize what our strengths are and what what we can do to structure the church in order to kind of kind of spread things out. Make sure we're not taking on things that 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 we don't need and that that is not overwhelming us. And then maybe kind of find areas instead of creating positions and finding people to uh, you know, to fill them or, or kind of taking some young person who doesn't know what he wants to do and then throwing him in a choir. Cause typically that's what we do. Cause we, we say, Oh, if you're serving in church, like you said earlier, if you're in church, it's, it's better than not being anywhere else. Mm-hmm. If you're singing in choir, it's better than, than, you know, you sitting in the balcony or in the overflow room or, or ditching church to go across the street or whatever it is. The problem is that's not how people operate. And this, this is for all people. I think it's better to kind of, disciple the person get to know them see their strength see their potential and kind of place them somewhere even if you create a position place them somewhere where they can thrive where they could find fulfillment where they can truly serve christ because if you're if you're not inclined to singing if you don't like the singing which most men don't and that's what he talks about in the book that they it's just an environment of singing all the time which singing is great but some people are just not for it then i it, it makes sense why they don't want to go it mm-hmm. makes sense that they don't want to be there because that's not with their that's not their thing that's not what they're inclined to do that's not their passion but if we really kind of focus in on people and uh just really see where their strengths are and what they what what they need then then it'll be a lot more effective in the long run and we're not gonna we're not gonna lose people there'll be more unity and then we'll we'll have all the parts of the body of christ complete we can't have four arms and four legs we need we need a a uniformity all around so there's a balance um but that was that was that. Uh, I do want to mention because I, I like when he has like lists and statistics. But he he does make a list of the top ten reasons why men hate going to church, or or the reasons that they respond with. And I guess there was some survey given, but 
Um, I'm going to list them out loud, and then we're going to talk about a little bit about them afterwards if something stands out. But uh, the number the number ten, what men respond to when they're asked why they don't don't want to come to church. Number ten is, I don't have time. Number nine, church doesn't just uh, church just doesn't work for me. Number eight, it's boring. Number seven, it's uh, number seven, it's irrelevant to my life. Number six, uh, he doesn't like the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> number five, uh, he just doesn't want to talk about it. So some, some, they were asked, why don't you want to come to church? And they responded, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so that's just that's the response in itself. Number four, it's too long. The service is too long. Number three, uh, they ask for money all the time, which, I mean, you'll get to those cases and where they have those offering sermons and all that stuff so so and then men are obviously they have a special relationship with money <laughs> number two it's for wimps and that's kind of addressing like the whole structure uh uh as we talked about earlier and number one marius i want to give you a chance to guess this one what is the number one reason why men hate going to church it's very common all around think about all the men who have left the church it's it's a little un, almost unfair because I did read the book. Oh, okay. So you remember but, it. But um, I believe it's gossip, right? Too many hypocrites. Too many hypocrites. Okay. There it is. So, yeah. So men men absolutely, I mean, everyone hates hypocrites, but the, the number one reason why men stop going to church and don't want to return and don't want to come back is because they see people who are in the church who are telling them what to do within the church, and they're not living their life according to what they say. Yep. So I don't know if you want to add anything to those to the list of ten, but those are like the ten reasons why men hate going to church. So uh, a couple things, Marcus, is um, there's a question of why do men feel manhood and Christianity are incompatible? Um, you know, it's because I th- I think when you when you look at a pastor or when they look at a priest, he's kind, gentle. Uh, doesn't want to offend anybody, uh, especially uh, watered-down sermons nowadays mm-hmm. in mega churches. Um, list all your, all of all of those all of those preachers, um, and men, true men, uh, I believe, really really hold tight to their word. Um, where some people. Uh, slap grace over shortcomings of men. And, and don't get me wrong, we're going to screw up, but I, I think if somebody comes short like, hey, man, I'm sorry, I'm 15 minutes late, you know, like this happened. and like, Yeah, of course, it's fine. But if you're 15, 20 minutes late every time just because, um, that rubs people the wrong way. And, 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 and that's a very baby example compared to, you know, somebody goes up and preaches and says, you shall not do this thing. And then, you know, uh, drives in the carpool lane. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jacob. We're just joking around. But but it's 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 true that you see um, a guy in church and how you should be, you know, clean cut, you know, necktie, and then you go to work with him on Monday through Friday, and man, you see that guy the way they do business, and it's like, man, I can't believe you go to church Sunday. I've seen it firsthand. Um, and it's it's a conflict. We don't like you know men don't like conflict. We don't like. You know, things like we, we like when things go well because the project gets done. Everybody's focused and the work part of it is, is it there. It's, I, I think the, the hypocrite stuff's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there to help you to put up the, the framing on that house project in, um, you know, on your mission trip. And then, that, and then that person doesn't show up. 
it's men feel let down and that's the hip that's the hypocrisy part like they feel embarrassed they feel all these things just because somebody let them down and they said they're going to do something and they don't and i think so many little examples make up that number one reason in fact i think many of the examples before probably lead into that number one reason and um <clears throat> there's another quote which uh which uh after this i mean it's probably one of the last ones for for this list is there's a lot of teaching going on in church but not a lot of learning mm-hmm. and i'm paraphrasing a little bit because i actually looked at the line and it's not exactly what i said but um again hypocrite stuff right you shall not do this. This is how you should be. This is this. This is that. And then it's like, why aren't we living it out? Which is a sign of not learning. Okay. Um, and the last thing I will leave as far as a line from the book, and I know I brought up a lot of lines, but the really good one-liners is, the church is like manure. If you pile it up, it stinks up the whole neighborhood. But if you spread it out, it enriches the world. So um, if you, you know, like, hey, we got all this all these servants in the church and I mean, I don't want to compare it to servants of the church to manure, but <laughs> manure, when it's all together and you walk by it, you're like, dude, that stinks. Right. But when you put the manure in its season, spread out very little here, very little there. And then over time of sunshine and water, uh, you'll see such rich soil and growth in that, where that, where that manure was placed. So it being bunched up in one big pile is serving no purpose, but it going out into the world and and uh, enriching its surroundings where it's being put, that's the purpose. So I, I feel like the church is the same way. Uh, I agree with this line, the church is the same way. It's let the men or let the people go out and minister. But and I think this is, I think where we want to lead to, in order to be effective manure, you got to be discipled and, and uh, be equipped to to uh, enrich the world out there sorry just like the, the talking about the pile of manure just reminds me of back to the future where <laughs> Ma- marty marty mcfly just gets the pile of manure on, on biff's car and yeah, like, yeah, it yeah. happens in like i think all three movies it happens they, in all three movies yeah. and it's the same manure company <laughs> so but yeah i mean it, it's an interesting analogy but it, it applies it applies we need to we need to kind of spread ourselves as opposed to kind of just piling up um but you, but like like you're just kind of leading to yeah we can't we can't be hypocrites because we're going to discourage people from from being in the church but how how do we address this and obviously the author spends the last 10% of the book talking about this um how do we get men to come to church how do we get men to stay in church how how do we get men from from not leaving as soon as they become upset because obviously men are a little more confrontational and if there's a con- there's a confrontation maybe they end up embarrassed in the situation or ashamed and they don't want to make an appearance but how do we address all of that not just you know as and i've made this analogy before not as not as a firefighter and just kind of waiting for an issue to happen and put out fires but more so a park ranger who takes preventative measures to prevent those fires so how do we how do we we as men as leaders in the church or women out there who are who are serving the church as well who have have men in their lives who who don't want to come to church what do we do and the answer is discipleship. Mm-hmm. The answer is discipleship. The answer is accountability, and uh, all that follows falls under this umbrella of discipleship. So, men who who need to follow other men, um, because that that's that's just how they're built. That's just who they are. Like you, like the example you made with the with the purse and the hammer earlier. You need to see other godly men who are leaders, 
who are not hypocrites in the church and those men need to be there keeping them accountable and just con- continually pouring into them kind of guiding them being there for them teaching them all of that so that's that's the most important thing the the discipleship within the church and it can't be it can't be something that we implement afterwards cuz cuz you see the t- statistics and you see all the all these numbers dropping and then you start a discipleship program I mean, at that point, yeah, it's great for the people that you still have, but it's a little too little, too late. Mm-hmm. It's something that you need, to, you need to implement from the very beginning because that's that's the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. Um, he they were he he told them to follow follow me. He said, follow me. They followed him. They did ministry together for three and a half years. They learned from him. They acted like him. And then as soon as they were done, as soon as uh, Jesus ascended to heaven after his death and resurrection, they went off on their own. They went off on their own to make their own disciples to preach the gospel. And at that point, after after being spiritually fed, after being guided, after being held accountable for their actions, as we've seen a lot in, in the Gospels, especially Simon Peter, um, they were equipped and they were ready. And they were ready not only to live their own lives and preach the Gospel, but they were ready to reproduce other disciples and make other disciples for the kingdom of God. So um, I don't know what you had written over there, but but, but what are your thoughts regarding uh, discipleship in the church? So... Uh... As a premise to discipleship, um, would you agree that discipleship offers a purpose? Absolutely, yeah. So as a premise to that, when you look at discipleship, you look at men, the glue that holds them together is purpose. Uh, you know, I'm an engineer. Uh, you're an engineer too, Marcus. Um, almost every engineering document starts with purpose. Why am I writing this? You know, uh, because from there, after you'd establish a purpose, the engineer, the architect, uh, doesn't have to necessarily be engineer, engineering, uh, the, anybody else can say, can get to work. An artist says, do you say paint? The artist says, okay, I don't know. The artist says, paint me a uh, half dome of um, Yosemite National Park at 5 p.m. with the sunset challenge boom like you get you know what i mean like it's you don't just say paint you say paint this um and men need purpose it's not a want it's they need it mm-hmm. because without it they're they're when, when when a man feels like his purpose is not there number one he'll be he'll be disengaged and eventually not show up which is what we're seeing right in the church a dwindling down of men uh, of uh, attendance of men and the sad thing is um, when you don't properly disciple one man, you're actually not properly discipling one plus more men. And what does that mean? Uh, it means you're essentially, as a leader, discipling a young man or maybe even a young father. And if that man or young father is not discipled, their child is affected by that. So it's one plus however many is behind that man. I think, uh, you know... Imagine not disciple. You know, Jesus. Had, imagine if one disciple wasn't there, how many less men would be discipled down the line? Uh, it's looking at it like that. That's why I believe every moment or every uh, opportunity of discipleship is so important. Um, because if you look at the, you know, broken families, it's it's a lot of young children are erratic or their behavior is what we call, you know, like they're. Um, 
they're rude or they're getting kicked out of school they're, because they're fatherless, mm-hmm. because their fathers are, have either abandoned them or they're in jail or even both because, you know, maybe the father in jail has not, want nothing, wants nothing to do with that. And I, I think um, that's why discipleship is so important. That's why that was literally Jesus's mission here as a man because he was 100% God, 100% man, and that's what he did. He taught his disciples to further teach. He didn't teach his disciples to say, all right, cool, the rest is on you guys. No, everything always comes back to the Bible. Down from thousands of years ago until now, like you said, don't get mad at, you know, you can get mad at me if you want, if the Bible says this. No, you can get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. It's the Bible that we rely on that was, it's God breathed um, that we teach disciples to follow the Bible and we're just an instrument of the Bible. And I think, uh, you know, if we don't do it right, men will sometimes look to other men for their, you know, stability. And men will always fail. Unfortunately, in the last year, we've seen so many reports of religious figures, pastors, uh, either living duplicitous lives or pastors or writers for top-notch Christian organizations suddenly saying, I am an atheist, you know. Uh, I think that's an example of men putting too much faith in themselves or in something that's non-God's word. And true discipleship would not teach that. And I think uh, it's not an easy task, but it's what we are called to do. Absolutely. And it's it's so interesting because we've been talking about discipleship and looking to other men to lead, to kind of guide but at the, at the end of the day, those men who are teaching everyone else, they're gonna say, "Hey, don't don't follow me. Follow Christ. Don't don't uh, follow. Don't live your life based off my example. Even though I'll try to be as as good as I can be and as correct as I can be, um, follow the the example of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. What is He doing? How should we follow His example? And that's like you said. And I like that point that you made. That that's what true discipleship is. That that teaching that your foundation is on is Christ and everything you need to know is in the word of God. And yes, there's going to be hypocrites out there. Yes. They're going to be even the good, even the quote unquote good people out there, the, the, the men of integrity, they're going to slip up sometimes, but you have to understand that we're, we're a body of Christ. We're all equal and equally loved by God. And we're human. We're, we're born into this, into this sinful self and we're going to make mistakes. But at the end of the day, we have to be there for each other and hopefully, like you were mentioning, uh, of a lot of figures in the last couple of years just you know, losing it or, or whatever it may be, hopefully our foundation is in Christ and in God's word so that he could be our example and he could be uh, there for us. So, um, yeah, I, I myself thought it was an interesting book. Uh, you know, If you want to read it out there, you guys, go ahead, go for it. He does mention a lot of things. I, I do believe like some of the statements of he makes are a bit outlandish, they're a little bit out there. Yeah, and, there are some things that are yeah, just a little it, wonky, but yeah, it's like okay, I mean, makes sense. Was it necessary? Probably not. Uh, but we we do have to say that it's it's not really a, like we said earlier. It's not a prescriptive book. It's 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 kind of just shining light on some issues. So it's not. It doesn't really address too much the spiritual component, the spiritual aspect. Uh, but it just kind of talks about men as they are, what they respond to, what they like. And what they don't like and there are certain things in the church that they don't like and we're not saying like 
tear everything down and build anew. We're not, we're not, we're not saying that. We're saying that there are certain things that we need to address, and uh, we have to maybe change some expectations if we're not going to address those, those, those certain problems. So, um, so if you're out there, whether you're a man uh, or a woman, or uh, you know, keep 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 doing what you're doing. Uh, if you're in the church and you're serving, and if you have that 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 man out there, um, especially the women out there who um, who have the men in their lives and they're just continuing to pray for them. Just keep doing that. Continue to pray for them. Uh, obviously, like we said, this, this, this podcast is not, this episode is not going to solve your problem in a sense, but it's going to shine light on certain issues. So if you're ever wondering why this is probably why, and we have to make sure that above all anything else, um, because some things are easier to change than others. I mean, church structure, things that have been kind of developing over time, maybe a little more difficult, but we could all strive not to be hypocrites. We can all strive to kind of disciple one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, um, to, to just kind of keep us united and, and together. So uh, that's that's kind of like my go-to just to talk about this. Um, but Marius, what are what are some final thoughts as we're wrapping uh, we're wrapping uh, this episode up? Uh, what is uh, what do you want to leave the listeners with out there? Well, I do want to say that don't read this book and expect some kind of ultimate solution to whatever problem you're facing i say read this book to help you that it's okay to try to understand a problem um, without necessarily needing to act on it Um, this book's going to shine some light on some things that are kind of sensitive it may be to things in the in the church you're in and it's okay to bookshelf those sensitivities for a sense in in a in a way of like okay I, i can see this problem do I have to deal with it tomorrow? No, you just kind of see it and just watch it. And um, always go back to the Bible and always, you know, be in prayer. And hopefully you have a leader in the church, uh, your pastor or assistant pastor or youth pastor that you can be open with and ask questions like, hey, how do you know? I, I feel like as a woman, I want to have more men in church because more men in church means more healthy families. And you as a woman, you want that. You, you care a lot about a family because you're the nurturing part of the family, the emotional part that will hold things together. But, you know, the the, the father is a structure, right? So, uh, and as a man, I, I think if you're a non-church goer, um, don't just go to church just because your mom or your girlfriend, wife or whatever said so. Um, go to church, you know, because or find a church that for you you can see you can relate to and be authentic to because you don't want to go to church for many years just just to go to church i I think that's that's a that's a problem um you want to go to church to number one um learn from your pastor uh through sermons and then lead your family through the word and um you know, there, there there may be some things that you don't. There's there's going to be something you don't like in a church. I mean, we all we it's it's kind of standard topic. Like, there's no perfect church, you know. But uh, I really hope that um, when you see this book or read the if you read this book and you say, see, this is why I don't go to church and why I'll never go to church. Uh, I, I I think that's also wrong. Yes, this book may shine light on the t- on the issues, but don't be a part of the issue. Be a part of the solution, you know. And uh, I think uh, that. If you're a believer and you're a true follower of, of, of Christ, like you're gonna find you're gonna try to be part of the solution. Uh, and if you're struggling with going to church for uh, these reasons, you know, um, 
I think there, there at least is somebody out there that you can talk to and that you could um, start heading back to church, not to head back to church, but just know that being in a church is very important for having a healthy family, a godly family, and the church itself thriving to minister to the world. And on that note, uh, yes, absolutely. And uh, if, you're, if you're out there, find the church, serve in the church, be there, and don't be there because you're forced to, be there because you want to be there, and, and uh, do all you can to encourage others to, to continue to, to, to be there as well. So uh, thank you guys for, for listening. Thank you, Marius, for, for being on this episode and shining light on this. Mm-hmm. I, like you said, I know there's a lot of sensitive topics. Uh, I know it could kind of rub some people in the wrong way uh, for many for different reasons, but I think it's something that uh, needs to be addressed. I think yeah. it definitely needs to be addressed. So uh, thanks, Marius, for being on here. If people want to reach out to you, uh, if the angry women out there who got upset by your statements want to send you an email or, or reach out to you, uh, where can they find you? Uh, my Instagram handle is at Marius Roshka, M-A-R-I-U-S-R-O-S-C-A. Um, I'm the guy wearing a gray suit. I've had that same profile picture for years. I probably, <laughs> I, I promise I won't change it for at least six months in case uh, you guys need to reach out. But uh, yeah, um, reach out to Marcus. He'll direct you towards me. I'm, I'm open to discuss. Always open for questions. Always open for feedback. So. Absolutely. And like, like we said, it's a pers- kind of like shining light on the issues uh, of what men are facing. And uh, just if you're, if you're out there and you're praying for the people that you, you want to come back to church, keep doing it. Uh, keep encouraging them and just keep being a light in there because uh, God, will, God will work through your prayers and, we're, and they will be encouraged by it. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for all that you've done. Uh, again, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, that break is going to happen on May 26th, Wednesday, May 26th, which is the last Wednesday in the month of May. And then I'll be taking my uh, summer break. Like I said, who knows? Maybe I'll fill it in with some stuff here and there. May it be on the Instagram account or through podcast releases. So we don't know yet, but we will find out soon. Uh, If you want to follow any and all updates, you can follow us on our Instagram account at the Potter's House. That's where you can reach out to me as well if you are upset with me um, <laughs> as well. But uh, And then lastly, um, streaming services. We have several of them, most notably Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, if you have Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone, go to that purple icon, subscribe, scroll down, tap the stars. It really helps the exposure of the show. And also, if you want to leave a written review, you can, and I will appreciate it and read it on the show as well. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for all your support. I hope uh, you were encouraged by this uh, above all anything else. And uh, we will see you next time.